What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Medical! Hey, me! Habes! Recording this on a uh, Wednesday morning. It's, uh, I'm in Pullman, Washington, John, where it's snowing. I don't know how people do this. What's Mike Leach up to right now? That's good. We're probably walking in short in cargo shorts to get a you see tea. Clay, you see, you see Clay Thompson? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But there was. Did you see the oral history of Clay's time at Washington State in the uh, athletic the other day? I I did not. I mean, I saw the article tweeted. I did not click on it. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty. I good. probably need to read a little more. That's what I I can't come to grips over that last week. Just I, I don't read really at all. At least, you know, read The Athletic. Well, I mean, I do sometimes, but I'm just saying I, I feel like 10 years ago because it's so easy to feel if you just consistently scroll Twitter, like I've been reading, I've been reading words, I just read tweets. So I feel like I'm getting my quota in, but it's just people's takes about like Zion and being furious at Donald that I'm not really gaining any knowledge. But you click articles, read half of them. Yeah, but I... I, I it is uh, dramatically diminished over the, and uh, probably most people. But do you remember, like in the mid two thousands, you just went to the internet and just read? I would print out Simmons' mailbag. Me too. Uh, at work, you, what would it take you to to get you, Guy Haberman, non like working a game or something? Yeah, to just print out something for fun to read. I don't print. I don't print anything anymore for anything. Yeah, but how many articles do you average? Probably read a day, non-work related. Well, do you count like the Tim Donaghy article I read yesterday? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that reading slash for fun slash for work, like that. That is just you're reading because you're kind of interested. Yeah, yes, I'd quantify it. Read for interest, and then if it helps you out in your job, it helps you. But that's not what you're going in for. Right, right. Like you're not reading game notes about Washington State's fourth quarter. I guess they don't play quarter. Second half abilities. Yeah, no, I'm not counting that. You're right. Um, that's a good question. I'm not really sure how much I read just, just to read. You would agree, though, I would imagine the last 10 years, or definitely since the rise of social media, hasn't gone down a lot. Yeah, well, I used to read a ton of books. 
and I've, I've that that has uh, petered out a little. I forced myself to read a couple books here and there. Um, recently, in the last year, but still, it's what was the last book you read? Uh, you're gonna laugh. I'm why I don't judge. The sun also. I think it's called the sun also rises. Ernest Hemingway. You really read that? I swear to God. What was it about? It's about it's based on Hemingway and all his friends and kind of living in Spain and he's going to a bullfight to go some bullfighting, but it's just some people living, people living, eating debauchery. Is it like a historic novel. Um, what do you mean by historic novel? Like, just to, is it one of his famous yes. works of all? Yes, yes. What What inspired you to read it? Um, just that I thought, you know, I I need to like just. It wouldn't hurt my vocabulary if I just read something that wasn't like a, you know, Bill Belichick bio. Uh, <laughs> even though that helps your vocabulary too. Read anything, really. But um, you know, normally I read like sports, like the stuff that you know, sports books or like uh, Gladwell or something. I was just trying to break the mold, and it was the thinnest Hemingway at the library. Do you, do you think a lot of the great play-by-play guys read casually to improve the vocabulary? I I don't know, I don't know. I I tried to read I tried to read this other book. Um, do, do, do you believe that reading once you get to you know like our age truly does improve your vocabulary? Yes. You think so? I don't think there's any. I think reading absolutely always just yeah. How could it not? I don't know. Just because you just read it and you just move on. You know, does it does a specific word that maybe you don't use on a consistent basis stick with your head? I think it just stimulates Maybe that's how I justify not reading. My vocabulary is terrible. Uh, yeah, I, I think it just uh, stimulates it your brain. I tried to read this There's book. There's a reason they teach you right reading comprehension through your youth. It's good for your brain. Well, I read a lot as a kid, and I felt like I knew where words were in my head. You know, I could get to them quickly. Um, I tried to read this book recently called Infinite Jest. It's supposed to be like one of the great American novels by this guy. God, who the fuck are you? David Foster Wallace. And uh, I could. It's one of the hardest books. I, I couldn't get through it. It's one of the hardest books to read I've ever tried to read. This guy is supposed to be a genius. The problem is that like simple-minded people like me can't understand genius, and it was like very difficult to read. So anyone that's read it, I, you're smarter than me because it's hard you're, to read. You're, you're you're inspiring me, guy, to go I, watch Netflix or something. I, well, I did that last night. Actually, you know what I did was I watched uh, uh, Abducted in Plain Sight per your recommendation. And it is – I don't know if I've ever seen anything, Little Cough, that made me – like I'm not someone who yells at the TV but want to yell at the screen more in my life, truly. I don't think I have than Abducted in Plain Sight. It was one of the stupidest things, not the film itself but the the thing that happened in this film – that I've ever seen to the point that I started Googling, like, is this a, am I just, am I wasting an hour and 40 minutes on a hoax? Like, is this whole thing, am I going to get to the end? And it's going to turn out to be like a Farrelly Brothers production or some like Will, like am I, is Will Farrell going to appear in the last 10 minutes? It's going to turn out this whole thing was a Judd Apatow production, but it's real. This thing is real. I can't, you kept texting. I was texting while I'm watching it. Like, this is crazy. This is stupid. I'm gonna turn it off. You're like, well, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm 20 minutes in. Well, it gets crazier, and then it gets crazier, then it gets crazier, then it gets crazier. It's insane. It's insane. It's, it's nuts. It's how do these it, people exist? The, I, I I do think the fire blowjob 
uh, fire festival blowjob scene was pretty nuts in Here, document yeah, history. Hey, abducted in plain sight. Spoiler alerts. Okay, let's dive into this. <laughs> the the hand job uh, comment by the guy, and I I think a huge portion of it has to just do with what the guy looks like. Chubby, bald guy that's like seventy five, who's not gay. That was tell one pe- tell people the story. Let's just tell people the story. So well, they could follow I, along. Most people, I think, have listened to this, have watched the Fire Festival. So we've all seen the guy that said he was going to give a blowjob right, to the right. guy that runs the Bahamas right. for Billy McFarland. But that guy was homosexual. So at the end of the day, stuff like that does happen in the real world. People do pe- sexual favors for advancement. I, It was wild just because you didn't expect it to coming. But really, once you took a step back, you're like, that wasn't that crazy of a story. It was crazy, but nothing like this story of this guy – who was, what would you call him, a sexual pedophile? Yes. A he, he, so he's a neighbor of these people. He had, At this point, I don't think he'd abducted their daughter yet. He had not. But he, these people, these neighbors in Pocatello, Idaho in the 70s, let this guy, like, he had a family, let him sleep in the bed with their 12-year-old for, like, six weeks to help with his therapy, he claimed. Yeah, he said it was good for him. He has an affair with the mom of the neighbors, the yep. daughter he eventually abducts. He has an affair with the mom. And the dad, he convinces seemingly pretty easily, Middlecoff. Well, he gets in a fight with his wife, so he picks up the dad, and he says, I need to go for a drive. I'm having marital problems or something. And they go on a drive, which what kind of looks like down by a river or something, in the middle of nowhere, and then they're just... Maybe, I don't know, late 30s, early 40s or something. And the guy is aroused and he says that his wife is not sexually pleasing him, whips out his penis. And then he says, hey, man, can you just help me get a release? And the guy who is not a homosexual is like, sure, just kind of went with it. He, he breaks it, down crying in the film, now telling the story, going, I, I betrayed his wife who later cheats on him for eight months with this guy, with the same guy. It was wild. The, it was the, the, the it, greatest it's a betrayal disturbing, of my life. It's a disturbing slash almost unbelievable because it's no, not it is unbelievable. I started Googling, is this like this can't be real? And it's real. By the end, I thought maybe I watched it like a Friday night. I had the, I had the vape pen out. And I started thinking that the daughters were actors. That's what the, the two daughters, because yeah. the one daughter that was being sexually like is a very good looking older woman. And I was just like, God, is this – she's – no. I, I, I thought that they were making it up. But like you said, you do the research. So that, and- yeah, I, the dad was the first one that I thought he's acting. This is, this, is, this is an actor, and he's acting. And I can tell he's faking it. Like that was – that's what I started thinking. Like, I can tell he's faking it. I can tell. He's not that good the of an ba- actor. The, the bald chubby guy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but this, he wasn't acting, John. The whole thing is real. No. If you're going to watch, I'd probably recommend go to ease.com and uh, it'll help you ease into just this, I, I say, an all-time documentary. It's it's one of the craziest documentaries I've ever watched. Like, Fire Festival was entertaining and believable and just wild. This one is just jaw-droppingly, you, don't, you just start Googling because you don't believe it. Do you think it's better watched with another person? Because it, cause it's, to me, it's I watched it by myself. I don't know if you did or not, but... It's, I watched it by myself. You did okay, so it's one of those things that's like it's like I was texting you the whole time because you almost want you need to turn to somebody and go, "This is insane." So I, I would I recommend. Think, I, I would imagine if you watch like with your wife 
or girlfriend or whatever, you might talk so much through it that you might miss some. It's probably better to watch by yourself, kind of take it in. There's no way and you can then watch maybe it watch it. You cannot watch yeah. this twice. Yeah, you can't watch. You it can't twice. watch. It twice. And then talk about it with the other person. Yeah, you gotta watch. You gotta. <laughs> like the fire festival's fun. You can watch other people. This one, I, I feel like you you might justify turning it off. You might. I you thought about it. If, it, if so you hadn't much. assigned it to me as homework, I probably would have. It was worth watching, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it was because now you can share with. You just needed somebody to share with this insanity, and now I could share. Well, with because you. I was at so like a our, dinner party. I, I was at a dinner party on Friday with a bunch of people, and you just bring it up, and a couple people that have watched are like, "Oh shit!" And you know, they just start talking about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, again, uh, if you're gonna watch it, go to ease.com. Yeah, go to ease.com. Use the promo code Ham. Ease is the best delivery platform to get the best legal license, fully tested marijuana products delivered to you in California. Anyone 21 and over can get verified online in minutes, browse a vast selection of the best brands, and then you watch the countdown clock to a friendly driver arriving in minutes, not hours, not days, to you with your Ease product. As a lot of you have been Instagramming, DMing, tweeting at us, you've been uh, you've been getting. Yep, guys, San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego, SAC, Napa, now in the East Bay, all over the place. You got to be 21 years or older. Just go to ease.com, type in your area code. It will tell you if they're there. If they're not there, they are coming. Do it right now. Ease.com for regular discounts and price drops. You get $20 off your first delivery with promo code HAM and any delivery over $50, which is very easy to do because they got – Cannabis, pre-rolls, vapes, edibles, topicals, you name it. Every product you want in the industry, they're going to have. Uh, and it's easy to find. Just go to Ease.com. Easy to get over $50 and get that free delivery, guy. That's right. Ease, E-A-Z-E, dot com. Promo code HAM. Fire up the Netflix. Uh, NBA second half, whatever you got, last 25 games or so. But I recommend firing up the Netflix and... Um, I don't know if Ease wants to be associated with Abducted in Plain Sight, but uh, why not? It's it's a good thing to hang out and watch, and uh, and then talk about. Um, how about how about the? Uh, you know, it was one of the craziest scenes in that thing, by the way, to me. Not it wasn't so crazy, but it was just the when the girl who's now a woman who'd been abducted realizes that aliens aren't real. Because one of the ways the abductor kept her under his thumb was he he convinced her that there were these two aliens. I don't remember their names. And the aliens had given them a mission. And the mission was that they had to, to, to create a child to, like, save the human race or I don't even know what. And that if she told anybody about it, then one of her sisters would go blind, her dad would die, her other sister would get abducted by the aliens. And uh, so she couldn't tell anybody. And if they didn't have a kid by her 16th birthday, then all like all the mission had failed. Like it had to happen by the time she turned 16. And so the day before she turned 16, she decides that she's going to get a gun. And if the aliens come for her sister, she's going to kill her sister and kill herself. I guess it's dark. And then her birthday day comes and everything's fine. And then she starts to realize, wait a second. Maybe the aliens aren't real. This dude made this shit up. It. Do you know what it also shows you? And my dad used to always say this because I'd be like, oh, it's, it's never been crazier in the world. You know, school shooting happens or just yeah. something happens. And he's like, y- you got to look back in history. Crazy shit's always been happening. 
You know, it was just it was much harder back in the day. You know, big things would come out, right? Like the way guys were treated when they came home from Vietnam or whatever. But just individual isolated stories, like we talked about Ted Bundy or this, they just don't they don't travel as much just because the internet, the forms of communication, but people in different communities had always had incidences, they just kind of stayed isolated. But whenever you thought like, Dad, is it safe to go to school? There's school shootings. Like there's been this shit's been going on forever. There's fucking crazy people since the days of Jesus to the days after we're long gone. That that'll always be the case. Yeah, there's a always. lot of people here. A lot of people here. Yeah, and uh, just, the odds are just in the favor of the crazy people. Yeah, they're just gonna be crazy. But there's gonna I mean, be look enough at the of dude them. from the dude from Empire. Like, think how nuts you have to be to do that. You have to be fucking insane. Do you agree? That that is a crime that, like, this guy, society to me is not safe with guys. Like, this this guy's a loon. Like The guy that faked that his own attempted noosing? Was that the deal? Yeah. Noosing, just an ass whooping, just oh, a was racially just an, I, charged. I, I stayed out of that story largely because I came to it. By the time I got to it, it had already been exposed. So I didn't follow the uh, minute by minute. Oh my god, it's real! Well, I just saw the original a couple weeks ago. I'm like, God, this guy got his ass kicked, and they were screaming MAGA, and they noose. You put a noose on his uh, yeah, he's, neck. He's nuts. He's nuts. Turns out he made the whole thing up. Uh, by the way, John, before we get into some stuff, uh, Joey just uh, DM me said, "I hate to say it, but you and Middlecoff's on on Instagram, you and Middlecoff's skepticism of the Raiders' situations on point. Does this team ever actually make it to Vegas? I'm a Raiders fan, but what a joke uh, from the East Coast, Joey." Uh, yeah, they make it. Of course, they make it to Vegas because Oakland's going to keep up in the rent if they keep hanging around. They're going to have to pay ten and a half million by twenty twenty, John. Yeah, it's free money though. Plus, that's middle cough. Think about this: like they couldn't play somewhere else and then come here and have the parade in Oakland. You know that would have been awkward. Now you can have the parade in Oakland, and you know you've been here the whole time. What the parade for the number one draft pick in two thousand twenty? The Super Bowl. The the good thing with the NFL guy though is. Hmm. If you get free money, it's a great part about the business model. Like that's the thing about the like for the A's, for example, because did you see they're having some trouble? Susan last year once floated that the number for Chris Davis, who I think has 150 home runs in the last three years, maybe it's 140, two for 36. In uh, my first reaction was, uh, is this text coming directly from Billy? Because there is no chance a guy with 140 fucking home runs. I don't give a shit if his arm is worse than, you know, Alex Smith. And he's got a terrible, he can't play defense. But when you hit that many home runs and you're 31 years old, you're not signing two for 36. And right now they're having trouble signing them. But the A's, the revenue sharing is stopping. Like in football, if you want to sign, fuck, you want to franchise Robbie Gold, whatever. The league gives you free, every team free money. In baseball, that is stopping. The A's have gotten free money forever. Not free money, but... Yeah, kind of, because other teams paid them. That's the thing in the NFL. It's not like the Cowboys pay the Niners, right? It's just the league distributes all the cash. Where in baseball, the Yankees and the Giants and the Dodgers pay the A's and the Twins and the Rays, right? That's how they've done it, historically. Well, that's it's. I think incrementally, it's already slowed down, right? They've cut it in almost half over the last couple of years, and it's going to be gone by two years. That's a problem if you don't generate money. Makes it just the business model a little more difficult. Padres found a way. I mean, now there's really two. Once the Padres hand out a $300 million contract, you can't put them on the list of teams. Obviously, they've had a new stadium. But now it's the A's and the Rays, basically, that are in that boat. 
I mean, this is but, a- but to me, the difference is, guy, they spent money last year on Hosmer. They gave him the biggest contract yeah. of the offseason, 150. And their owner, who's in his mid-70s, is super wealthy. Like it was a beer no, guy. No, I'm saying Ron they're Fowler. different. Not- he has stupid cash. Yeah, I'm saying they're different. They're not the same. He made his money, actually, in uh, Miller Coors. <laughs> he owned beer distributorships. He's worth a lot. I think some of these old guys, you're seeing with the White Sox, you're not seeing with the A's because John Fisher, just seeing the pictures of him, he's older, but he's not like 80, right? He's like 60. Yeah. That when you're in your mid-70s, and I think you saw, you definitely saw this with the White Sox, White Sox guy, two things. Did you? I, I mean, dude, just the extra $50 million, you'll be, it's in 10 years, you'll be in your 90s, just tack it on. But he's still, but a businessman is a businessman. They 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 work. I think it's probably. I think that's more of a baseball decision. I think the baseball people probably put the limit on that number. Yeah. One, they don't bear you with money, and two, there's a war right now in America on money, where they don't want like when Ron Fowler dies, if America, half this country, and a big part of the you know the left party, does not want him to be able to keep any of that money or hell even keep the team, they're big on redistribution. It's a full-on war. Like that's where all these people currently are running politically. So I think some of these guys realize again they do not bury you with the cash. You don't get to take it into heaven or wherever the fuck you go. And they, I might not even control where it goes. So I might as well take a swing. I, I have, yeah, I, have I don't. My hat on. The I don't know how much of that factors. I mean, they're making more money than they've ever made. And so you're spending it. And I think for the Padres, they just feel like to make money, we're going to have to spend money. The We are the only we are the only big-time franchise in this town. Well, there have we, been articles written on Ron Fowler. He wants to win. Well, I, and we st- Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's about what happens to his money when he dies. I just think he wants to win. They, they stink. They've always stunk. They've stunk forever. I, well, see, no, I, that's where I'm going to disagree, guy, because when you get to your 70s and you're that rich – would Ron Fowler have made this move as a super successful guy at 60? It's easier to justify when you're a little older because you you see oh, the yeah, finite I, I don't, of your life. I, right, right. But I'm saying I don't think that has anything to do with what how his money gets taxed or his estate gets to keep the team or not. I'm just saying I think he wants to win. They've stunk and he wants to win. I agree with you. And I do – like I'm never going to get mad at an owner for paying a player $300 million because for a fan base, they got a player that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Like ultimately, the Padres got a player – now, this is why I'm a little more skeptical than – it seems like a lot of people like the deal for the Padres, like baseball people, baseball writers. Well, because they, they signed a really good player that's right. 26 years old. Yeah. So do, I, I, the reason I'm skeptical is An elite player. I mean a top 10 player in, in the sport. The right? reason I'm skeptical about it a little bit is because I'm looking at it going – part of the reason you got him is because you paid him a lot of money to come to a place that I don't think you really wanted to go. Like – he wanted to be a Yankee badly by all accounts. And here are the Dodgers who have all the money had the Dodgers who just had him. You don't think if the Dodgers thought he was Nolan Arenado, they would have re-signed him as a guy. Like the Dodgers couldn't use Manny Machado. Why, why would, why well, did they not they, even they, sniff? I, him? I th- Cause I do think you could argue your best player on your team, Corey Seager. The, one of the reasons you traded for Manny was because he tore his, then he tear his shoulder or he had whatever. Like, would he have been on the Dodgers if Corey Seager had not gotten hurt? Probably not. No, but, man, he's not playing short. Well, he wants to, though, right? Again, of course he wants to, but this Fernando Tatis Jr., baby. 
Well, I mean, let's get into the Padres Tatis prospects, might, John. Yeah, he might, he might just move to third base. Yeah, I, but Manny doesn't would, like he's not worth as much. Like people like he's a premium position you play him in short. Yeah, but he's not as good of a player there. What do you mean? Well, he's a he's a less good defensive player at shortstop than he is at third base. Yeah, that's why you just play him at third base. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's my point. Oh, you're saying with Corey, Seager. but I I also think they look at it like we want to be a little more fluid with our cash. We don't want to get no stuck down because I think the Yankees justified it pretty easily. We made a $250 million investment last year on Stanton. We already did that. Like if Stanton wasn't on the Yankees, Machado or Harper would be on the Yankees, but they did that move last year. So they're already kind of in bed with that move. Like yeah, they already I'm, did their crazy. Move. I'm just saying I watched Robinson Cano on the Seattle Mariners and by the way, by the time you were halfway through that deal, Robinson Cano was running a half a mile an hour, playing minimal defense. I think I think Manny Machado is a much better player, much better. That's not my, it's not about how good of a player he is. It's about what what kind of cl- what who are you putting in your clubhouse for three hundred million dollars, and how badly is he going to want to play once he's gotten his three hundred million dollars to come to a place that he doesn't want to be? Yeah, I mean it's it's I. Now, I would, to your point, I, I, I would say, guy, in in no world, I I, I said this yesterday on Periscope. I, I wouldn't give fucking Beyonce a ten year contract. I wouldn't give I wouldn't give any human alive a ten year contract. Like ten years. Think of what you were doing ten years ago. You now again, the age factors. factors it's a little ago. different. I would have outperformed that contract if I had signed it ten years ago. Yeah, but but my point is, like, think how much changes in ten years. Just any human. Now it's a little different. Like you know, this guy's going to be playing baseball. Like you know exactly what he's going to be doing. But still, I, ten years—that's that to me is—I I just couldn't sign a ten-year deal. I I, I couldn't. And I'm I think that a lot of people in baseball were just because I, I would imagine Brian Cashman goes, God, if we could do it all over again, would we have traded for Stanton? Like ultimately, no. they didn't give anything up. But that's not – we now are just kind of stuck with them. Yeah, it, it, look, it was an easy deal. You're right. It was an easy – that thing fell on their lap. And he's a good player. But the question is going to be, is he ever going to have his, like, Barry Bonds postseason breakthrough or is he just going to stink in the postseason forever? Like, do you think if you could sit down with Cashman right now and go, for 10 years, 250, now Harper's going to cost a little more. But let's just say – I feel like Harper's going to get costs, 330 now. Yeah, so – and what – what? But I think he'd rather Stanton have Bryce. Costs, he'd rather have Bryce. Yeah, he'd rather have Bryce. He and he would have Bryce right if they didn't trade for Stanton. Yeah. Yes. He'd sign Bryce. I, yeah. I think Bryce would just be a Yankee. And I how agree. good would that team be? It'd be how many home runs would Bryce hit there? I mean, as many as Stanton, but probably be better in the postseason. That team's cool now. How cool would that team be with him and Judge? So much cooler. <laughs> yeah. So much cooler. It'd be sweet. <laughs> that that's where I think they're kind of kicking themselves. That they. It's hard because if you get. You know, right now, if CBS says, hey, I'll let you call AAF games, like you're not going to turn that down. But then if a year later Fox comes to you, be like, hey, man, we're going to give you some Major League Baseball games and you're going to be a rotational guy for the NFL or just something. But you were already prohibited from doing that because you signed a deal early. You're like, fuck. But you couldn't turn down the situation when it was presented to you because you're like, fuck, I'm going to be doing AAF games on NFL Network. Right. You know? That's a bad example because no, it's it's I it it's not that bad. You you it's, I get it makes sense. A better analogy would probably be like ESPN giving you a big Monday or something, which sounds really cool. But if you realize what you could be doing, you're like fuck. But you don't know that at the time. Now, 
you would say for the Yankees, guys, you knew Bryce was going to be a free agent. And you could have just said no to this. Well, now, th- but again, that, he wasn't all time high because he was coming off an MVP season. That he, that was. And he and the deal, like because he's making so much money, they just gave him to you. And yeah. maybe you thought he was going to be a little better, right? He I is. Know, he is cheaper than Bryce. Um, he's not. He's not a bad player. I mean, fucks him pretty good. No, he he's. <laughs> it's just I think there's a belief that he can't hit good pitching. That's what people think. Which is a problem. Because Bryce can. I, we, we sat there at the playoff game when the ball fucking went. Uh, it might have hit Oakland. Remember how far that ball went? I vividly remember just that ball taking off like, oh, my God. I heard um, – did that fly Tyler. over Jake, Jack Del Rio's head? No, that was a different game. No, that was the – yeah. We were sitting next to Steve Perry on That's that right. one. Um, I, I heard uh, Dan O'Dowd, who used to be the GM of the Rockies, tell a story yesterday. He was like, I remember when we had our press conference to announce that we signed Mike, uh, Mike Hampton. And uh, the day we did the deal, we were so happy because they were talking about they had just played the audio of um, Kenny Williams and whoever the other guy at the uh, White Sox is. And when he how, was in when he was in the golf cart. I didn't see it. I heard it on MLB radio. He was he was sitting in the golf cart being interviewed at spring training. Oh, OK. And he said, I'm kinda, wearing my sunglasses. Kind of dis- disappointed. Very. He's like, I'm wearing my sunglasses so you can't see my my disappointment. But Dan O'Dowd's point was like, you get so emotionally invested in this thing. By the end, you know, you let it go. You, you'll be fine. Like, it'll be okay. It'll be fine. He said, because I did the Mike Hampton deal, and we were all fired up. And then I remember waking up the next day going, what did we just do? <laughs> now, I don't know how true that is. Did he really wake up the next day going, we should not have given Mike Hampton eight-year contract to come pitch at Coors Field? But if your general philosophy as a general manager is, I'm not signing anybody, anybody, to seven-year contracts, unless I'm buying out years of free agency, right? Like unless I'm unless I'm Mike Trout or Nolan Arenado yeah. or something. It, the, the, I'm not doing that for anybody else. On the balance, that would be a winning formula to just never do those deals. It would be a winning formula. Now that said, you could make the case like, what if the Padres make the playoffs next year and Manny Machado is their best player in 2020? They've got good prospects. Manny's their best player. They're a playoff team. You could make the case that the investment in him, if it makes Petco Park a sellout park every night and makes them a bigger product in San Diego, that in five years when maybe he's not worth or six years after he's opted in, John, because he's not opting out after year five, in six years when he opts in and you're still paying him 30, but your 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 gate is higher, your whatever, your Q rating in your city is higher, that that's money well spent. You know, John Heyman tweeted yesterday, decent point, even though he basically just tweets for Boris, that with Manny Machado, their payroll is $110 million because beto- beside Manny and Hosmer, they're not paying anyone. Yeah. Will yeah. Myers is their next highest payer, like 10. They can still afford Harper. If I told you right now they signed Manny and Harper, do you view them as a playoff team? Uh... They'd be pretty good. They do have Will Myers, too. That's pretty nasty, one, two, three, in the middle of your lineup. Yeah, and even Hosmer doesn't stay. I mean, you know. Yeah, Hosmer's good. I mean, he's one of the better players on a World Series team. I mean, yeah, they, they could win 90 games, and that could get them in the playoffs. Would you take the core of Belt, Crawford, and Microfracture Posey or Harper, Machado, and Will Myers? Microfracture Posey every day. 
He did say him and Bochi have been talking for like a couple months about the retirement. Yeah, how about that? How about Bochi's retirement? <clears throat> Shitty deal, man. Well, I mean, it's, you know, we always, we'll always have spring training with Boach. I'll never forget the way he was talking to Roberto Kelly, and it was like, oh my, and you kind of, I've heard a bunch of stories since, just he's hard on his coaches, but that was, I was like, damn. Roberto came out of that meeting like, holy fuck. Yeah, it was when Roberto was <laughs> taking over for like. Flan. Not just Flan, but Bochy's ride or die right hand man, you know. <laughs> Like, I've always heard Flan tell the stories that way. You know, like, when they called, Bochy said, how about one more ride? And we came up. But, like, Bochy talks about it the same way. Like, when Flan and I got here, they wanted to run us out of town. Because I heard him with Lund the other day. And he was like, what was that first year like? Because they weren't good. And uh, he was like, well, it, it was uh, it, it was a roller coaster. You know, I, I didn't know if I'd make it to the next year. Um, But, but like, John, for, as an example, the Giants signed Barry Zito in what 2007 yeah so money that i think everyone until they won a world series with them were like god awful contract but in 2007 their attendance was three in 2006 their attendance was 3.1 million it had gone down um for three straight years attendance had declined not by much it had gone from i'm just looking here 3.25 million to 3.18 million to 3.13 million okay they signed barry they they lose more games and their attendance goes up 3.2 million. The next year their attendance goes up again and they lose as many they lose 90 games again and attendance is uh sorry attendance went down. You're talking about the mid 90s with Barry Bonds. Right? No, I'm talking about Barry Zito in the oh, okay. 2000s, the late 2000s. Right? So the attendance go, they lose 90, attendance goes down, attendance goes down, attendance goes down. They get good again and and attendance goes back up. So no real correlation there because they were losing so many games. But you I do think, and I've I've read about this, and it just makes sense. Not that attendance doesn't matter, because in baseball it matters much more than the other. In football, clearly it doesn't matter anymore, right? You know, it really doesn't. Like, they're getting their enormous sum of money for the TV rights no matter what. Baseball, because you have so many games, like the Giants – having every ticket sold for 81 games is a big is a big difference, especially when you're fucking factoring in they're selling a beer for 15 bucks. You just do the math. You know how much a keg costs. I mean, it's not that expensive. They're, they're making a ton. So it does matter. But it's never mattered less, even in baseball. Just attendance. Because their attendance this year, if they're a 75-win team, let's call it what it is, they'll tweet out numbers that are not even going to be – because I thought – I saw last year for the first time – you went to a game, didn't you? And you thought it was – Pretty decent the day you. I remember texting you about. No, it was a. It was, it was like bad. a. Uh, it was a Thursday day. It was like a noon September game. I think. Pretty empty. Um, I remember thinking that for a noon Thursday, for like an afternoon Thursday game, it was fine. You know. Yeah. Whatever fine is like to me, there's a line between not a sellout and still okay. Right. You can still be in a range there. And I, I think you're right. I think you're right. But I also just think it's kind of an indication of. What are people? What are, are people fired up right now, or what? What are people up to? Um, you know, and when the Giants go to San Diego, it's all Giants fans, and that's what the and they're going to play the first week that they open with each other. So we'll see. <clears throat> to, to to me, the one thing that's very important in the sport, as it gets farther and farther away from the nostalgic older guys' American pastime, and you and me are not normal. You're definitely not normal. I mean, you called fucking Major League Baseball games that. 
the, the casual younger person to get him to go to the yard beside like my buddy's got a box. Let's go and hang. And guys are always you, you do that whatever city you were at. Like on a Friday night, hey, I got some tickets. We got an open box, or we got to fucking sit seats down the third baseline. It's Twins, Red Sox, and you live in you go. You know, it's not that's normal. But I'm just saying to legitimately get you out of the house on like a Tuesday or a Saturday has never been more difficult if you suck. So you got to There's got to be some juice behind, and that's where I think they've probably the business people have been talking about Bryce Harper is they they just got bleh. I mean, their best player right now, by far, and one of their best players in franchise history, is coming off microfracture surgery and hit five home runs. Now, I get he's not a home run hitter, but <laughs> no one's paying to watch Buster go the other way singles. Yeah, I mean, I think like I think Bumgarner still resonates with people. I do, too. But- and, and I think that um, I think I understand why teams use the opener, but I think the opener is bad for baseball. I think devaluing starting pitchers is bad bad for baseball now if you're using the opener twice and you have good starters the other three days you can make the case well starters four and five it doesn't even matter like no one's coming to the park for starters four and five so fine but i think unless you you have unless you have bryce harper or mike stanton or something i'm just talking about starting pitching though like starting pitching is to me really important it's really important who pitches on a given day is a big deal you'd rather go on tuesday to see bumgarner than saturday to not see bumgarner and starting pitchers are like these are headliners in the sport. We we establish stars matter. You're right. I remember I remember in like '09 going to a going to a Linscom game, and he he only went like five innings, but he had twelve strikeouts. But it was and electric. Was, I mean, you walked yeah. in going, "I'm going to see Tim Linscom pitch today," and that's different than seeing a guy hit three maybe four times. As great as that is, too, it's just pitchers are important. Fuck yeah, so, they are. Uh, so are quarterbacks, John. Going to Vegas with a quarterback. Like Kyler Murray would be big for the Raiders. So let's in 2024. You, yeah, going somewhere. You threw this out during the last podcast. Let's flesh this out a little bit because it's uh, uh, it was a great trade proposal. We didn't really get into it too much, and that was the Niners are drafting two, the Raiders are drafting four. Peter King wrote the Niners, or excuse me, the Raiders like Kyler Murray. Fast are fascinated with Kyler Murray. I think was the word Peter King used, and so you threw out a trade. Could the Niners and Raiders? work together on a Kyler Murray trade. And and I know you wrote this for The Athletic the other day. Like Part of this is Kyler's got to go to the combine and perform to a level that makes a team who's drafting at 4 or at 6 or at 10 feel like they need to trade with the Niners. If Kyler comes out of this thing and people think he's a mid-first-round pick, well, that's bad for the 49ers. Um, but if people think he's a great a potential, if, if we're talking about, like, God, the Cardinals really could draft him at 1, and then they don't, and Josh Rosen doesn't get moved, now all of a sudden the Niners are in a power position. Yeah, I, I, I said in the athletic article, to me the most important metric for him or metrics are going to be his hand size and his weight. Because when I wrote the article, Tim was editing it, editing it and he texted me like, you didn't really mention anything about his height. And I said, well, everyone knows he's short, right? It's not. I don't like, wake up every morning and measure myself. Is that what he said? Yeah. He's like, I'm not 5'7 or 5'8, but everyone knows he's just short. No one's expecting him. Can he get to 5'11 and a half? Like, we know he's going to be around 5'9. The entire league knows that. The unknowns are the weight and the hand size, which are really important. And Albert Breer, in his MMQB, the actual MMQB, wrote, he asked like six people, directors and stuff, and one guy's comment was, my big holdup 
and the thing that I just holds me back is just hand size. You know, and it's it's a big deal for the NFL. That's a big, big metric. So there are reports. I think he did a sit down with a bunch of reporters in Texas, and he's just like, I'm he's I, he said he was unsure if he's going to throw like that. We've all seen him throw. I, I don't give a fuck whether he throws or not. No one cares. It's social media is like he, he's who cares? If he, like, yeah, no one cares. No, no one's making a big deal of it except people on Twitter. So but he's. If he were to, to me, it's a red flag if he, like, I'm not weighing in, right? Yeah. Or I, I refuse to get measured. Right. It's one thing not to throw. No one cares. Hell, I, I, I would recommend running, but if for whatever reason he's like, you know I'm fast, I'm not going to run, I, I get it. Now, I, I would just take the, take the approach. Like, the best guys show up there and they fucking run fast. And remember Dion ran a 4-3, he's like, I'm out, and just left. Anthony <laughs> Davis style? Yeah, just do that. Kyler, you could do that. You run 140 because you're supposed to run two. And if it's like, oh, shit, he just ran DJ and, and Eisner, 437, just leave. Like, you can, I have no problem with that. But run. You don't need to throw. But if you don't get measured, that would show you a little Crabtree style. Now, Crabtree ended up going 10, but he's like, I'm not running. And then he just delayed it, delayed it. I'm pretty sure he never ran a 40. But everyone, but everyone in the country knew that, like, yeah, Crabtree's just not that fast. Keenan Allen was the same. Now, he fell to the third because he had a knee injury, but he avoided it. I think he ran a 40 at a personal pro day the week before the the the, uh, the draft. Now, it hurt him. To me, Kyler, I, I, wouldn't you be shocked if he ran a 40 and it was higher than a 4.45? And if he just does that, like, the place will just be buzzing. And if he measures in at 5.9.5 and, and his hands are just – Average, I, 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 I don't see how he doesn't go in the top five when it's all said and done. We just see it every year. The buzz, because the the snowball effect is already so strong on him. Like the, the avalanches has started in like September, so, and it happened to Baker last year. It was like this guy's pretty good. Oh damn! Fuck. Oh 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 shit! And by the time the combine came around, we didn't know he was the first overall pick. But remember, we were having this exact conversation probably a year ago today. Like, he's a locked top 15 pick, right? And that's how this guy already kind of feels. The thing with him and Baker, I think, that's similar is their film is incredible. The film. Like, when you watch the guy play football, you go, well, I know these measurements don't quite measure up, but I'm looking at him play football, and I have to look at it differently than I did 15 years ago because the game is played differently. What I'm watching now looks and looks kind of like what I see in the NFL. And I'm really going to watch this guy right now and go, no, nah, I'm good. And then when he's good, I've got to explain why I watched this film and didn't think that guy was going to be good. It's one thing if the film is bad, if right, it's Josh Allen, and it's like, well, but the intangibles, that you're like, well, how was I going to project him? Like his film stunk, but this guy's film is amazing. And that not that what all these guys always say? Like the film doesn't lie, the film doesn't lie, the film doesn't lie. Now I can justify it when it's Josh Allen, the guy's six foot five, high character, fucking runs and can throw it seven hundred yards. Like ah. We'll coach him. Yeah, and he's out, when, he plays for Wyoming, and they're in the snow, and none of his other, none of the other guys on his team are any good. When you are short, small, or whatever, but your film, I, I think a decent example. Did you ever call John Ross games? Mm, I don't think I had one of his games. It was clear though, like on film, just his ability was just like Jesus. It's like he's Christ. ten yards past anybody <laughs> close to him. And then he goes to combine. He's a midget, and then they're like, "Oh, run the 40. and it's like, "Oh, uh, he just ran a four three two." Now, I didn't think he was going to go eight or whatever, but once you do that, remember Christian McCaffrey, 
I thought he was really overdrafted, but he went to the combine. And after the combine, there were GMs saying, I vividly remember reading, I think Peter King wrote this, a GM saying, I think that's the best combine performance I'd ever seen. Because he had like uh, positional bests at every agility drill. And he ran a 4-4, and he caught the ball like he was Larry Fitzgerald. It was like, oh my God. And his film was, was incredible, by the way. And his film was incredible. And he was just, he was six, he was just me- measurables. And you know what turns out? He's just a really good football player. He's actually better than really good. I mean, he's a borderline star. So when the film, there is a balance. Now, I, I think the Christian McCaffrey parallel, I know there are different positions, but his it was much easier to be like, well, he's 215 pounds. He's six feet tall. You know, he's not, it wasn't like he was 5'9 or Danny Woodhead or something. Where, where Kyler, there is going to be a constant just conversation. He is just smaller, right? What, what do you have to get from, if you're the Niners, to go from two to four with the Raiders? Well, I think the comp is last year they went the Jets in the Colts three to six, cost three second round picks. It feels it a little two. rich. I'd do it for two. You yeah. have no problem. Yeah. Like, I would so if you're the Raiders and you give me your second round pick and next year's second round pick, well, you don't have next year's second round pick because you flip flop with the Bears, but, you know, two twos. Give me another two. So, wait, wait a second. So that would end up being the 2020 and the, I'm sorry, the 2019 and the 2021? Uh, no, I mean, I'd, I'd have to be like, you got to get me a second round pick. Trade Derek and then give me one of those seconds. Yeah. Because that's what they would do, right? Well, you wouldn't trap, you wouldn't trade up to get Kyler Murray and then keep Derek Carr. You agree with that? Yeah, so would you do the Derek deal before you – I mean, you ha- you'd you have to get Kyler before you traded Derek. I think it could just be a draft day kind of just boom, boom. Do it like, all, yeah. Once you realize he's there at two, I trade him. I have a deal already worked out with the New York Giants, let's say, for Derek and two seconds. Or hell, a- just – that would be a lot. Maybe just their second. Could- and then you use that second to give to the Diners. Right, so you – so I, I would do two to four for two second-round picks this year for yeah, sure. I mean, if you could get the Raiders and the Giants second-round pick in this draft, you would do that and, in a heartbeat. And, and go from two to four, I wouldn't even fucking flinch. And then you'd have three second-round picks in the top ten of the second round? Yeah. You would. And then, then you, there would, then you then send there two would of those. Pressure, yeah, to trade back up and get a first-rounder. Yeah, or you go get Odell. Or you do something like that. Um, I mean, we just did like seven moves. I, someone wrote, might have been in Brewer Story too. Eli historically has always worked out, you know, because he lives in Hoboken, so he just works out the Giants facility during this time. Yeah. And there were rumors like if he thought he was going to be gone, he wouldn't keep working. He would just work out on his own. But he's been going to the Giants facility, so it's almost like he thinks he's coming back. And his number next year is like seventeen million. Now, the guaranteed money is clear. Like, they can cut him, and let's call it what it is. He is a famous player and all, but in this business, if they could, like, if they think they can get upgraded, like, they will cut Eli. Yeah. Like, Eli is not at the point anymore where he's a sacred cow. But wouldn't you say if they do trade Dare, if the scenario where the, the Raiders want Kyler and they're going to trade to the Giants, to me, you don't trade for Derek Carr and then get rid of Odell Beckham. Right. Right. Correct. I don't understand. Let's talk about this. I don't. I don't really get why they would trade Odell. Period. 
Like, I don't quite understand. Like, here you are. You're in a major market. You're, you're rebuilding, but you want to win. You're acting like you want to win. You, somebody asked Edelman the other day about trading with the Niners. He said, we didn't sign the guy to trade the guy. The guy's a good player. He's liked in your locker room. He's a hard worker. And, I mean, he's a great player. He's not a good player. He's a great player. And he's a star in a market where a star doesn't, having a star doesn't hurt. I don't, I don't quite get why, like, what are you getting for Odell that makes you feel confident you'd, you'd replace that level of talent? I well, just don't, I don't see where the urgency to me, is to me, to me, it's more of a money move. It's more of a restarting move. They have $27 million in cap space. So you trade Odell. I think his cap hit is over $20 million, So you almost double it in one move. You get I, headache would be strong, but he's not a seamless Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald player. You probably could justify bringing Derek, use you know, trade him to get assets, you know, to kind of just restart. See, to me, if you if you bring Derek or any other quarterback in, but particularly Derek, you need you need to you need to give him somebody. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of the you have Saquon. I've given you Saquon, who might be the best player in the. Yeah, but I mean, I Saquon and Odell. Now I've now I've got something for a quarterback to work. Like I've got something. What for if, a quarterback. What if I get two twos for Odell and and next year's one, and I just you know reload with of uh, you know. But I've got Metcalf. Odell. He's young. No, I know. I I agree. I, I would not <laughs> trade Odell. I like Odell more than I feel like social media does. I one I would trade for him. Two I would keep him. Like yeah, I, yeah. I just he's a good player. I. So I, he's to me he's just so worth the risk of of everything and just what he brings along with his individual talent. So Kevin Colbert, Kevin, I thought right? he doesn't bother me really at all. Actually, no, I, Kevin Colbert, right? Kevin's the first name of the uh, Steelers GM. Yeah, uh, this is what he said about Antonio Brown. Kind of bald, overweight guy. Moments ago, John, this is uh, breaking news as we do this podcast. By no means will we make a trade that's not beneficial to the Steelers organization. We're not going to give a discount on the trade market. We're not going to release him. We've had no active trade talks with any team about Antonio Brown. Love it. I think he's going to be a Steeler. Yeah, I just think that Odette, or I mean, excuse me, Antonio Brown can tweet how he's leaving the Steelers and how they've broken up 10 million times. And I think he's so far 15 times in the last month. He's tweeted, thanks for everything. I love you guys. It's been an unreal nine, nine years. I'm off. We're, we're breaking up. It's like Odell or Antonio, stop tweeting that. You're not a free agent. Then you walk into the kitchen 10 minutes later, he's still at the party. Oh, I thought you left. Yeah, I, I, I just think that it's pretty clear to me. He was in a picture over All-Star break with uh, Anthony Davis. Two weeks ago, Who's he was in I just think an agent. Uh, that he was in videos with Maverick and Rich. It's clear who's advising him on this. And Rosenhaus is his agent. But wouldn't you say about Drew these last, like since he's kind of matured into Drew Rosenhaus, like the older version, they don't – the tactics here, he's smarter than that. Drew knows this is not how it works in this league. He doesn't attack it like this anymore. When's the last time Drew Rosenhaus had a public really dispute of – he's kind of stopped it because he – do you know what Drew Rosenhaus realized back with T.O.? 15 – I you're going to lose. You lose in this league. I want more people to want my player, not less. 
yeah, I want to have good relationships with the Steelers. Why? Because I want them to sign my players for a lot of money. I also think this is a tough one for Drew because this is a good client for him. I mean, it's an expensive client, one of his better players, even if he's got the entire league. I mean, this is one of the best players in the league. But I, 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 I don't think Drew's an idiot. This is not the way to handle this. And I, I, I think that he's listening to Clutch much more than Drew Rosenhaus because I can't see Drew Rosenhaus advising him or at least not advising him, Antonio, don't tweet about this anymore. Do not Instagram how you're leaving. D- just don't. You, because if you do want to leave, you're hurting their ability to get rid of you. Just stop. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna go make the statement that you're gonna go and then handle it as like we don't we you're the boy that cried wolf now. No one even believes that you're in control of the situation to any degree. To any degree, you you have you're not affecting this in a positive way. You're not getting what you want out of this. Like this is not a kid who just at the grocery store is whining for some candy. Like you're not going to wear your mom down. They're not going to do it. And like you said before the podcast, they traded Martavius Bryant for a third. They got a third for him. It's a great point, right? Like they're sitting there going, "Well, who cares that that deal was with John Gruden and maybe John overpaid?" Like the fact is, we have Antonio Bryant. So well, it's just it's just basic precedent. We got a third round pick for a guy that had been suspended multiple times who wasn't that good. That that's what we got for him. This guy on his worst day is better than Martavius Bryant. You think we're gonna give him away for a middle second rounder? Google his stats, people. I don't give a shit what the fuck he's Instagramming on the treadmill talking shit about us. We ain't giving him away. Cause you know what, guy? Who in the NFL gives anyone away, really? It, it just doesn't really happen. Yeah. Now, you might have When the Chiefs deals. knew they had Alex Smith's replacement, they didn't give him away. No, they, they traded him for a – I think they ended up getting a third-round pick and their nickel corner. So they still got a decent chunk of change for an older guy that they had to pay. Think about – We I think we all admit or agree that the Niners – Anytime you get a franchise quarterback in the second round, regardless of how it plays out, that's just that's an elite value. But the Patriots still got a really high second round pick. It's not. I think we all just ah, oh, they just gave him away. They did get a decent amount back right. for a guy that was going to be a free agent. Again, I I would not have done it, and I think the Belichick I've been on record saying they did him a huge favor. But I do see on his side, like I didn't want to give him to certain teams. I like this situation for him. I did value what Jimmy had done for us. And just my leverage, they know, what am I going to do, franchise them and have Brady? That's not really realistic, though I would have recommended doing that. And I think Bill would have been like, I wanted to do that, but Tom's bitching and moaning to Robert. Well, I couldn't yeah, do and it. And in the end, it, it also, the other thing it did was it just it maintained a good relationship with Brady's agent since they have the same agent. You help that guy out. It's not the worst thing in the world for you. It, it, exactly. It's, but they, they still got a pick in the top 40. You know, that was a really good pick for them. Here's the, Andrew Brandt wrote this today about Antonio Brown. One of the things he said was, do you think the Steelers just found out three months ago or six months ago that Antonio Brown's high maintenance? <laughs> like, like this is this is not a new issue for the Steelers. They've been dealing with it. Who knows how? They've been dealing with this for a long time as we've, we've known this. Publicly. You, remember, you remember when they paid him like three years ago and he was under contract and one of their stances was, we do not negotiate – contract extensions with guys with multiple years under contract and one of his points of emphasis was well they did it with ben bullshit and they ended up giving antonio money and it kind of broke their precedent so they kind of capitulated to antonio 
even though th- this was at the time when he was already kind of being a pain in the ass, but he was so good that they gave him stoop. They've given him multiple contracts, guy. Yeah. Like they, they've extended him twice of big money. The first time, I think in 2012, before he'd really proven himself, and then a couple years back, while he still had years under like, so they've given in to a guy. They didn't know how good he is. He had 15 fucking touchdowns last year. Everyone knows. Uh, your wife knows how. If if you play fantasy football, he's one of the best fantasy football players in in the sport, right? So even casual football fans, you just say his name, you know, he's a much better just fantasy football player to the casual guy than Odell, for example, right? If you're drafting, you're going to take Antonio before you took Odell. Right. Not even close. How many players do you take over Antonio? Not that this is a fantasy football argument, but my point is if he plays. Free agent now, officially. They're not going to tag him. They're not going to tag him? No. Colbert's just giving out a lot of good information right now. (laughs) There's only so many headaches you can deal with. If you think they could do that whole thing over again... Because I don't think they'd do the Antonio Brown thing over again. They needed him. They used him. They paid him. The Le'Veon one, if they could do it over again, would they have traded him like yeah. two years ago? Yeah. Because now you're getting – he's leaving like, for nothing. What could, you have got, what could you have gotten for him this time last year? Knowing that you're going to have to tag was, him it, or pay him. The, the problem is it was a really good running back draft. So okay. second, maybe. Yeah. Post-draft. Definitely, two, definitely two years ago, you probably could have got like a second and a third for him when he was a lot younger, and you could have signed him. But it's hard. I I think one problem is even with the amount of money, when you're trading me a player and you want a huge a, a lot of draft capital, let's just say like a late first or early second for a player, and he's under a huge contract, my owner or just my football people go, one, why don't they want him? Two. Even if the guy's worth it and we have the cap space, do we want to allocate this much money to a guy that they don't want? Like, what is the red flag here? Right. Now, if you're going to give me Odell Beckham for a third round, it's a no-brainer. Well, but but Gettleman's like, doing a good job. Yeah, just kind of playing mum. Just going like, no, I want the guy. What are you, you guys are crazy. I, I, like, I want the guy. And I have the guy. Like, well, I have and and I do believe that he wants him. He's just like, if someone's going to offer me something stupid, then I'll listen. He didn't draft him, though, and neither did Pat Shermer, so there is. No, but I'm just saying they're acting like they're not even going to think about it unless you call them with a great offer. And actually, well, I think, what the Steelers I, are kind of I, saying, I, too. I, I, I do think the one thing the Giants have to value <clears throat> is in a city they have the most famous guy, right? Over all the Yankees, over all the Knicks for now. Like th- Their guy is the biggest star in the city. Yeah. There is a lot of value to that. He's, would you say non-quarterback, he's the biggest star in the league? You just say his name and you just, people know him? Yeah. I think so. And part of that's playing in New York, but, I mean, he is a superstar, right? I mean, he's a bigger star than Zeke. Um, he's a he's a bigger star than his projection is. Yeah. He He's a superstar to the level you would think he's Anto- got Antonio Brown numbers. Right. He doesn't. Now, he'd tell you. Well, Highlight fuck, reel, though. Look check out my highlights. Qu- yeah, check out my quarterback, too. He sucks. <laughs> I think he has said that, actually, hasn't he? Didn't he tell, like, Migos that or something last year? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, John. NBA Warriors got 25 games left. Thursday night, they play the Kings. 
if the season ended today, this would actually be the first round matchup. I I, uh, I kind of hope it. Now I in my in the ideal world for me, the Kings are the eight seed, and the Lakers somehow get the seven. Which if you, anyone that's looked at the standings, like it's it's pretty uh, pretty crowded. It's not out of the realm of possibility with LeBron back that the Lakers could just do enough. They're they're basically two games back at the eight spot, which is where the sorry if the season ended today, the Clippers and the Warriors would play. Not the Kings. The Kings are nine, and the Lakers are ten. Uh, but I'd love to see both those teams in, and I'd love Kings Warriors first round would be awesome. I don't know the, I don't know if that's what the rest of the world wants, but that's what you and I want. Yeah, I think the NBA definitely wants LeBron in the playoffs. I'd like him to he, get the seven. You know, to not to not have LeBron in the playoffs is a problem. Yeah, but when you only got twenty five games left, they are three games behind the Clippers. Three games in twenty-five means you need to go fifteen and ten, and they got to go eleven and fourteen to make up four. So just think about if they just stay five hundred, you have to basically go like eighteen and eight or eighteen and seven. You know, that's what I. It sounds a lot easier than it actually is in reality, right? Because if you lose, they lose. If you win, they win. It's just so easy to hold serve for a given week. Or even if you have a two-week stretch, you may only make up one game. Even the two games on the Kings is kind of a lot. So that means if you go 15-10 and 10 these last 25 games, you need them to make up three games to go 12-13. and 13. So they have to play under 500 basketball when they've been an over 500 basketball all season. And you play them once. So if they, you have to win that game, right? Because that's a huge swing. That's a two-game swing in one game if you lose to them. Or they, or you can make it up if you beat them. Now, if they had four games remaining, let's say they hadn't played, you'd clearly go, yeah, the Kings aren't just going to beat LeBron. But just one, I'm not going to bet against LeBron. I'm with you. I personally am hoping for the Lakers' demise, not making the playoffs. I would love to see LeBron and Clutch humbled a little bit. To me, the Clippers have kind of – I mean, they traded their best player, but they've still hung around. Like they've they've fluctuated between like three, four, five, four, three games over five hundred. Like they've kind of just maintained just average basketball. What number do you think gets you in? Forty five. Yeah, we've talked about this. I mean, what? How many? Uh, I closed out the standings. How many wins does do the Clippers have right now? Thirty two. Yeah. So 45, probably. Just snapshot of the Kings' schedule. Warriors at Oklahoma City, Milwaukee, the Clippers, Boston, Boston, Philly, Brooklyn, who's actually not bad, the Lakers, Houston, San Antonio, Houston, Utah. I mean, they... Not ideal. They got some tough games left. Yeah, here's what the... uh, Let's see the Lakers here. Uh, the Warriors. I heard, the, I heard Windhorse say their schedule is pretty fucking hard. Well, I know the Warriors' schedule, and like they've got twenty five games left. Like the 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 back end of the twenty five are pretty favorable, but the front end is actually they play. I think the Warriors play the Rockets twice, one of them on the road, and still play at Oklahoma City. Here's the Lakers: uh, Houston, New Orleans. They're at Lakers are at New Orleans on Saturday, John. <laughs> and then they play New Orleans at home the following like a week from Wednesday from today. They're at New Orleans on Saturday. Danny Ferry doesn't want to play Anthony Davis anymore. Um, at Memphis, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Clips, Nugs, Celts, 
bulls, wraps, pistons. Yeah, I mean it's and a lot of lose a lot of road games at Utah, at the Pelicans again, at OKC. They play the Warriors. Yeah, but I, like I don't know. I see some wins on this schedule for the Lakers. I, I do too. God, they play at New Orleans. Is that a that's not a national TV game, is it? It's no, not the it's Saturday not even, night. It's game. not even on. It's not even on TV. No, I was hoping that was the Saturday night game. It's probably uh, King Suns. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm rooting for it, but I, I'd be a. Li- I'll still be surprised if the Lakers don't get in. When so, do you remember like when we were grow up growing up in Davis, and when the Kings were good? Did you? I moved to Davis. Uh, I became a Kings fan when I moved there in ninth grade. So I don't remember. Like to me, you came are, in ninth grade. Yeah, well, the summer before ninth grade. You go to Emerson. Yeah. You knew that. Come on. You knew that. No, I knew. Well, clearly, you didn't go to Holmes, so. Yeah, two junior highs in Davis, people, one high school. Um, but, so, I, like, people start bringing up players from the 90s. Like, it doesn't really resonate with me. Like, I was, like, a Suns fan in those days. Well, the team the team sucked. They had one. They had Mitch Richmond. But I mean, was were the Warriors, but I mean, Warriors, like, were the Warriors, did you think of the Warriors? When you were, <laughs> no, they, yeah. they, I, I, it felt like the Warriors were more relevant. Right. So, like, this has become a thing more lately. The Warriors traded their best player. The Warriors traded their best player, or maybe he signed as a free agent. Like, he was on the Kings in Mitch Richmond. Yeah. You know? Like, Tim Hardaway, long gone, was on the Heat. The Warriors sucked. Oh, the Saturday Night ABC game is uh, Rockets-Warriors. Makes sense. I'm a little rocketed at that, to be honest with you. Um, but, uh, but, But now it's become fun. I, I mean, it's become pretty fun because the king, like those, those. There would have been games, a rivalry guy. They're just they've always been bad, basically at the same time. And in the times they've been good, the other team's been bad. Kings Warriors are lit, John. Because I know. Kings I, fans, I, I, I want it. Yeah, Kings fans take those games seriously, and that that arena I, I, when it's in when it's in sack is just. Well, it's I, always I saw, been awesome, but I saw Bill Simmons say it'd be one of the better four-one series in recent memory because it would be an entertaining four or five-game series. Because the Kings would play their fucking eight, ass eight, off. Eight one series. I mean four one. Like the Warriors would win the series four to one. Oh, or, oh. Like maybe the Kings would get a game, but it would just all four the sweep. It'd just be a good sweep. I, I don't want to watch the Lakers sweep. I, I just I'm LeBron well, out. See, that's why I want the Lakers to get to seven, play the Nuggets. Are you LeBron out? Well, I mean yes, but if given the choice between having him and not having him in the playoffs, I would choose to have him in the playoffs. What if it meant the Kings? That's a tough one. I mean, I want to see that series, but if not, if the Kings are the seven and they're not playing the Warriors, I'm not as entertained by it. I, I, I was listening to a Windhorse podcast, and he was saying he was at All-Star break, and he went a day early because all the young guys get there early to get ready to like do community stuff before they play in that uh, Friday night stars, you know, sophomores versus freshmen or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the crazy thing about the Kings is they had four guys there. They had Fox, they had Bagley, they had Bogdanovich, and Buddy was there for the three-point contest. Yeah. And he's like, sometimes you get just, when you're constantly interviewing LeBron or guys like that, they, they don't don't get too high, don't get too low. They're not excited. He's like, it, it was cool to see this franchise that had been dead. All four of these guys are super fucking hungry. And I think he's like, you talk to people in the league, I mean, Fox is a legitimate star. Yeah. Bagley is a freak. Bogdanovich, I mean, is an unreal backup. And Buddy is 
I mean, it's fucking pretty good in this day and age in the NBA. So they are, it's not fake. Like they are equipped to me to not go away. Now they're young and that's why these games may get difficult, but they are clearly pretty talented. Like it's not, cause that's what Windhorse was saying. A lot of people in the league and just any basketball fan when they started, you know, 17 and 12 or whatever they're, you know, the first 40 games. Yeah. You're 20 and 17. You're like, this isn't sustainable. And then you keep watching them. You're like, fuck. You're looking around the league going, why not? Well, because they play hard and their dudes actually are blue chippers. Like, they've hit on back-to-back top five picks. Yeah. Turns turns out Vladdy's not going to have to resign, probably. Well, you know what else it turns out, guy? Is that Fox is just better than Lonzo. Yeah. There's not a GM in the league that would have taken, that would take now Fox or Lonzo over Fox. Right. And we kind of knew that. Remember when they played at UCLA in the Sweet 16? Fox took it to him. And then he said he was dodging him in the summer league. And then it's just Fox is a better player. Yep. He's remarkable. And he's and he's taking pride in being in sack. I think sometimes and Fox will I mean, Steph's gonna go down as probably the second best point guard ever. But Steph took a lot early in his career, just I know he didn't want to come here at first, but then he started taking pride in being a warrior and being the guy. Like there is something to be said about that when a franchise needs to be turned around. And there's nothing like to me, when your team drafts the guy, like it's gonna be cool if Kate, if I'm a Knicks fan and Kevin and Kyrie shows up. But God, I mean, no. Steph, Steph is this city's guy. Uh, that, that's the one thing. Like, say what you want, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he wins a Super Bowl, and he'll be a legend around here. But it'll never be like the one thing. But Joey I will say this, I, Steve, it's I, a little different. I will you say this. I think the difference between Jimmy and like your guy who started somewhere else is. To me, it's not about so much where you got drafted. It's about where did you become a star. And, like, Jimmy's not a star yet, right, in terms of production. Yeah. So I think he would get treated like, air quotes, our guy. But there's no doubt. There is a difference between when you've – like, the the Kevin thing is just Kevin – it sucks for him. He could never be to Warriors fans what Steph and Clay and Draymond are. It just it, – it can't happen. But but neither can Livingston or Iguodala. And those Although it does feel it. like Paul George has become the Oklahoma City, what Kevin was. That's the crazy – but you know why? Because he had a chance to go to L.A., and, and they're used him. to getting kind of sp- – they just got spurned, and he stayed. That's kind of, that's well, really the crazy part. Think about how long we talked about Paul George to L.A., and then they got LeBron, and we were like, duh. That's one of the crazier stories, I think, the last year and a half of the NBA that is not really something that gets talked about. The guy didn't even didn't even give him a meeting. Like, yeah, what a from disaster. Southern California. I know. It was an absolute disaster. Because I heard Russillo said on the Simmons pod the other day, he's like, get ready, I predict – no, it was Simmons that said it. In the next week and a half, there's going to be a story where somebody writes, LeBron's a little disappointed in Magic and Palenka. Like, he thought they are going to put a better team around him. <laughs> so I'm, I'm rubbing my hands together right now waiting for that story. Well, I, I also thought when Simmons on that podcast said that, uh, I've just seen watching Coward, the ticker came across. Yeah. The Cavaliers are twelve, and the Knicks are eleven and forty-seven. Jesus, how bad are they? I didn't realize these records were this bad. But when this, when Simmons says that he heard some scuttlebutt and buzz that Dolan's thinking about selling, you start putting the pieces together. That if you're Kevin Durant and his camp, it's much easier to justify going there if you know that clown's not going to be there. Him and Kyrie are like this guy's selling. That's why we're going. But if you're right? if you're James Dolan, you're selling at the time these guys are coming. Forget that. Well, I think you need that out there to get those guys involved. So it's starting so to add, like to me, 
you start putting the pieces together, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like that, he didn't just randomly hear that. Think who he's had on his podcast six times. He's tight with Rich Kleiman. Like it, it starts to make sense. Because it's easy to justify if you're Kevin, I'm not going there and playing for this clown. It's just, look at this. But it's like, hey guys, he's selling. You're like, okay. Can Rich get a piece? <laughs> Can I get a piece? Ownership deal in the in this free agency contract? So I... If you're Kevin, can you get a piece of the team in the deal? Yeah, I mean, he wants to. Sure. I don't think I don't think that's allowed, but No, I don't think it is either. Do you, I mean, do you think are we on the last 25 games in the last playoff run in Kevin Durant's Warriors career? I think we are. Do you? Do you know what's I, I do, do you, too. Yeah. And do you know what's kind of it's you see this word a lot on Twitter? Like you're normalizing whatever. This has kind of become normalized in the vernacular around here. Where it's not Oklahoma City, though they talked about him leaving or going forever, you still thought, like, he's going to stay. He's going to stay. He's going to stay. This one is like, yeah, he's probably going to leave. <laughs> I, I think that's just kind of been on the, the a talking point now for 12-plus months that it's going to be like, whatever. Not and Again, it's from a, just a basketball standpoint, you never, ever, ever want to lose this guy. But it'll be interesting to watch. Like, what do the Warriors do? Because you know their owner's just not cool with the guy just leaving. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're not just going to bump up fucking Patrick McCaw 2.0 playing his position. They're going to try to do something. I don't really know what they could do, but... Plan ahead for Giannis. Did you see that Marcus Thompson article? Well, he t- yeah, he told me he was going to write it. Did he think... I-, I didn't read it. Did he just think there's a legit chance he's coming here? Well, just like that's going to be the next target. It's like... in. 2021 you know you'll have to somebody will have to like you can't afford all four of them so it probably happens at the expense of Draymond but that Giannis makes like that it makes sense to turn their attention from Anthony Davis to Giannis well doesn't feel like the Anthony Davis he is not coming here yeah but I just mean like that Giannis is actually you'd rather have him is kind of like and which to me my reaction is like isn't it kind of crazy how a couple years ago it was like Anthony Davis like there is nobody you like when it comes time. Like you will do anything for him. It's like ah, now here we are a year and a half later. It's like eh, I'd rather have Giannis. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's just the way the NBA works. But just that there's a star of that. that there's another guy that good in a smaller market. He's pretty good. He can't really even shoot yet. Think about his wait, jump shot. Is... Just oh. <laughs> he can fucking dunk though. I'll give him that. Yeah. Do you think it mattered that Steph's bounce alley oop was over Kevin? I mean, Kevin just happened to be there. Well, I yeah, know. I, I mean, don't think he did it to do it over Kevin, but do you think Kevin was personally offended that it happened to him? Really nothing. It happened to him. He was just standing there, but it did go over his head. Like, that doesn't feel good. One thing that's never come out, and I don't think it will because Steph has too good of relationships with the Marxes and the athletic guys, and they don't want to. No point in saying this. But I do think it's pretty clear that it's true, is that Kevin's jealousy of Steph is high. Like, all Kevin's ever wanted was Steph. The adulation slash everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's the best ever. You know, just no one ever says he's the best ever. And Kevin Durant clearly is one of the great players we've ever seen. Yet no one says that. If anything, because of social media, most people go the other way. Like, yeah, you good, but you just a snake, dog. You know, and that, that drives him off the fucking wall. And no one, people are like, oh, Steph's celebrations are corny. Like, what's the worst thing anyone says about Steph? Because even the haters, and I get a lot, like my buddies in the NFL that love the NBA, 
often tweet me like, God, I, Steph wears me out, but Jesus, he's good. You know, that's the one thing at the end of the day people always come back to. He's, even though he's not really more unique than Kevin, people just, even if you're not a big Steph guy because you think he's a showboat or whatever, you just like him more than Kevin. Kevin's, uh, like, Q rating is, and it, part of it is him constantly fighting for it, is not as high as you'd think for a guy that's as good as he is. Well, the other thing is just, yeah, and mid-range jumpers don't fire people up the same way that... But I don't even think it's that. I think it's the... His Q rating at OKC was really high. I think everyone was like, this guy's a motherfucker. I'm like, Jesus. Right. And then he left, and this is... Kevin, you left for the Warriors. That was part of it. Like, at the end of the day... LeBron left to the Heat. The Heat had been terrible. Like he, he got crushed more the way he handled it than the team he went to, right? And then even when he went back to Cle- no one ever crushed him for the move to the team. He didn't join a superpower. He created it. But like, like Kevin, bro, you signed up for these guys that were already kicking ass and that owned the league. <laughs> so I don't know if he ever quite shakes that. And maybe I- that's where I know or maybe that's where he knows that he'll get a lot of credit be like, this guy's going to save New York. The whole city would be at his like beck and call. But, John, Kyrie would be a bigger star if they were together there. And they'd have Zion. Like, Kyrie is the guy that gets – Kyrie's the guy that crosses people over and is always out there laughing. And Like, I think yeah, Kyrie Ke- would be the but bigger But Kevin's your best player. I, I'm just saying, like, isn't he the best player here? I just think Kyrie still the, would be – I think Kyrie would get more – doesn't Kyrie just feel New York? Like, Kyrie's not intimidated by anybody. Well, he's, I think he's from Jersey. Yeah, that? exactly. You're going to go to Kyrie's hometown and be the bigger star? I think you just view you're the better player. Yeah, well, I mean, you're going to be the better player almost everywhere. You're, he's amazing. Is it crazy to say that if somehow they end up with the number one overall pick, and they get Kevin and Kyrie and Zion, that Kevin would be the third. Just, I mean, Zion would be the highlight player. Right. That's what I'm saying. You no, the re- that, go do it. The market tonight for Duke, North Carolina is almost at three grand. I thought it was like Super Bowl level. Yeah, it's just stupid. For the, the game at Cameron? Tickets. The game's at Cameron, yeah. There's only 3,000 3, seats at the place. I think North Carolina is like, I didn't realize they were that good. I knew they were good, but they're fifth. Yeah. All right. Similar uh, Washington State. Who game you got tonight? Colorado, John. Five-game winning streak. Only Duke has a longer winning streak in major college basketball. So, Snowing? Uh, looks like it might have stopped, but a lot of snow on the ground. ton of snow What's, on the ground. What time's your game? 7 o'clock. I'll be there. Thanks, bud. I got your back, dog. And if, you, if you're at home listening – you better watch too. Yeah, yeah. Are, are you on the Pac-12 network or That's regional right. network? I'm on it. All right. Later. Godspeed. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.